zero the zero dropout campaigns new research publication highlights the connection between literacy and and the dropout levels in a society and we discussed the matter with the organization's Colin Wardle uh, good evening Colin Evening uh, to you and to your listeners. Thank you so much for having us on uh, this evening. Colin, you know, of course, I had opened up the discussion, the fact of the matter being that you've got, you know, many pupils, most likely millions of them that have started their first day of school across Southern Africa, uh, you know, across the world for that matter, depending upon when you start school. But many, unfortunately, disappear from the system over the next 12 years, never to graduate, never to even go past grade 7, 8 or 9 for that matter. What's being Mm -hmm. done to retain learners, especially young male learners in the system to ensure that they receive a proper grounding in education and have an opportunity to go further after they they finish their, 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 their secondary levels? Well, I, I think, you know, in that regard, as you so astutely mentioned, you know, this time of year is one that does a great deal to essentially embody a great deal of incitement uh, for a lot of young people who are starting their journey through kind of the education system, um, but also for those who are kind of finishing their basic education and, are you know, getting their matric results in the next 24 hours and essentially, you know, finding out what the potential possibilities for the uh, next few years of their future could be. Um, so when it comes to issues of dropout, as you mentioned, you know, there are those who are starting their journey today who may not ever um, reach that uh, gym hall or, you know, that classroom to write their metric exams. But there are also those who, you know, considering the results that will be released tomorrow, um, did not even sit to write their metric exams. Um, and as you, you know, so astutely mentioned that, it is a, a nationwide problem, and when it comes to interventions, um, there are you know numerous that people have been attempting. Um, when it comes to our research in particular, um, and the publication that we're launching tomorrow, it specifically looks at reading and how essentially literacy, or rather illiteracy, can have a detrimental, sorry, a detrimental um, impact on the future prospects of a learner within, you know, a schooling environment. Um, I'm sure you'll recall last year, there were numerous reports ranging from, you know, polls, oh, the Progress in International Reading Literacy Study, um, the Reading Barometer, um, and all of them essentially highlighted the fact that our learning standards and performance aren't necessarily where they should be, and that's on par with, you know, our economic um, equivalents but also um, developing countries. So what our report essentially aims to do is highlight the link between essentially kids struggling to read and particularly read for meaning and how the lack of that skill makes it more difficult for them to grasp concepts and eventually leads to poor performance in class and great repetition, which ultimately discourages them from continuing their education journey um, and unfortunately, in some instances, uh, dropping out. You know, Colin, when it comes to the retention of pupils and, uh, you know, the dropout levels that that, that you, you highlighted there, uh, what are the reasons that, that many 
pupils or, 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 or many uh, learners uh, find themselves in a position that they've got to drop out? I mean, is it simply um, uh, apathy with the system itself that they feel that the system is not benefiting me anymore? Uh, and I'm sure socioeconomic um, factors will also uh, lend a, an unfortunate hand inside there. But if one had to look at it from, let's say, a statistical point of view, what would be mm-hmm. the contributing, the major contributing factors to drop out in South Africa? So, in the you know, in the in the course of our research, um, we've identified literally dozens of factors that uh, can contribute to a learner becoming disengaged from a schooling environment and eventually dropping out. Um, so, within a South African context as well, when our challenges are so many, but also so you know fundamentally inter- you know interconnected, ranging you know from poverty, um, violence, and just an unequal distribution of resources between. Um, rural uh, schools as well as urban schools, just to name a few. Um, it's difficult to essentially pinpoint and say that is the contributing factor. But in regards to your question, you know, the one thing I, I earnestly have to push back on, and it's, it's something that's you know been said in debates as the uh, metric results um, are you know ahead of us. The notion that you know that there are learners who are apathetic um, is a very pervasive one. Um, but I think with that, there's, there's often a lack of questioning in terms of what makes learners um, apathetic and ultimately disengaged. Because you'd be hard-pressed to find a child who just, you know, for no reason um, doesn't want to go to school. Um, you'd often find in those instances um, it's due to what we um, consider uh, push factors. So things that make returning to school difficult or unpleasant for a child and these can range from things such as bullying, um, harassment, or even just struggling with certain uh, schoolwork and essentially, you know, suffering a stigma uh, because of that and other factors such as, you know, repetition. Um, so there are, you know, it, it is very varied. And in terms of our research, it ranges from region to region and even from learner to learner. And as you so well pointed out, Often, you know, there is a very strong socioeconomic um, reasoning um, behind that disengagement. And it's very, very rarely in our experience purely apathetic. Uh, Colin, you, you know, you highlighted, of course, the discussion regarding uh, reading for meaning, which is uh, basically when a text is in front of a learner, they are able to not only read it as per their current expected academic level, but understanding the contents and the message uh, you know, in the in the text itself, and and this is vitally important, mm-hmm. a vitally important life skill that when you're out in the world, y- you require to read for meaning rather than to simply palette yes. off what's on a piece of paper. Uh, one may say that where it comes to reading for meaning, have we invested enough in local content, v- local vernacular content? Still, the content mm-hmm. that the, a learner is expected to read in is basically your English and Afrikaans. Uh, which remain the two dominant subjects of instruction and text in our system, whether, whether you're in a rural environment or whether you're in an urban environment, this is the, the, the majority of the text that you are going to interact with. Depending upon where you're from, the north of the country, maybe the east or the west, you would have limited amount of reading material in the local vernacular. But to support reading for meaning, the investment in local vernacular, has that been made? 
So um, that is a very good question and one we also grappled with last year. Um, following the reports I mentioned earlier, we actually went you know, from province to province um, interviewing people from both urban as well as rural schools. And we unfortunately found that, you know, while the um, schooling policy does state that um, reading, reading and learning material should be available um, in languages that um, learners are familiar with, particularly their home languages, depending on the region. Um, so, you know, it, it varies from province to province. This is rarely the case. Um, we essentially met many educators and staff members at school who said they often struggled to find um, or to receive, uh, you know, reading material and other learning material that is in the language or in the home language of a lot of the students in the schools that they're in. So while the policy may, you know, essentially say that, you know, learners and teachers are empowered to do so, the actual materials to be able to do so are often lacking. Um, and with that, of course, you know, you find that it's, as you've um, alluded to, it becomes difficult for pe uh, people and learners to really engage with that material, um, as a lot of research would suggest that cultural proximity um, plays a big part in you know, learners essentially grasping ideas and uh, concepts behind things. A popular example that arose last year was um, in the Pearl study. A lot of, you know, one of the comprehensive comprehension um, stories that learners were expected to engage featured an octopus. Um, so for a lot of, you know, people, particularly from, you know, middle upper class um, backgrounds or even who live in coastal regions, um, something like an octopus you may have encountered, you know, visiting an aquarium or watching TV. But what was, you know, a lot of feedback that we received, particularly in rural areas, is that for some of the learners, um, you know, it was the first time they were even encountering the concept of an octopus. So, you know, for them on the page, there's this very, you know, literal and figuratively alien creature um, and how it fits into the world that they have to then, you know, grasp in that moment under testing environments at that. Um, so it is really important to essentially have um, material that is in the language that a lot of the learners uh, speak at home and within their communities. Um, and but beyond that, also having stories and examples that are relevant to their lived experiences too. And unfortunately, um, that isn't always the case. Colin, on the subject of keeping learners in, in school, uh, we know that many learners may go home to a, uh, you know, to a home that is semi or unsupervised. Quite often you have learners, uh, you know, being taken care of by siblings, by extended family members as parents mm -hmm. you know, have to work and they only see them, you know, six, seven, you know, PM, you know, at night. And, and, and there's an expectation that there's a level of homework, a, led, a level of school readiness that is to be done overnight night in order to deliver them uh, to school you know the next day uh, programs that are after school constructive after school programs the department of education will tell you we haven't got money for it we haven't got this and that and you know we can barely keep the lights on and the, and the staff paid uh, under normal circumstances but you know investment schools taking the initiative themselves board of governors taking the initiative themselves that post school we have got the 
these uh, co or extracurricular or related activities to stimulate these young minds so that they don't just see school as a place that they are sitting behind a desk, but they view it in a more holistic, uh, in the premises, in the campus, in a more holistic way? Um, so I, that is a re- also a really good question and point. And uh, last year, I personally encountered quite a few scenarios uh, where schools um, and, you know, I will definitely give, uh, you know, government credit in this regard um, through programs such as the Presidential Employment Stimulus, um, which has been, you know, paying for uh, young people to receive education and training um, in education and, you know, working in schools. Um, you know, this uh, programs such as those have brought a lot more capacity to schools. Um, and through my, you know, interactions with um, schools in over the past year, um, I've encountered examples where, you know, uh, some of these young uh, teachers' assistants have taken it upon themselves and working with the school to develop things such as um, homework clubs because they realize, as you mentioned, that, um, you know, the, the home environment of some of the learners is not conducive um, to doing some of the homework or, you know, they are generally struggling with some of the material that they have to go over so need um, someone who's more be able to you know provide that additional um you know guidance so i definitely would say that i have seen um instances where you know that is definitely taking place and schools are taking it upon themselves in you know under really difficult circumstances um to support learners um we've met quite a few really hard-working principals and educators who've you know been doing things as i mentioned such as um homework clubs um Part of our program as the Zero Dropout campaign is that we've also been working in schools across the country um, to help them implement uh, reading for meaning programs, which also take place after school, to help uh, learners who are essentially um, or have fallen behind um, catch up to their peers um, in terms of their reading capability and comprehension. Um, so they are definitely, you know, organizations out there who are making the effort to help um, close these gaps and, you know, make these resources available. Um, and government, uh, to, you know, also playing a part in that, but, you know, they are also struggling with, uh, financial constraints. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the longevity of those programs are often, um, questionable. Even something like the presidential employment stimulus, which I mentioned earlier, um, was not renewed up until, you know, near the end of last year. So a lot of people weren't sure if that was going to continue or not. Um, but thanks to the efforts of um, uh, projects to lobby for government to keep that in place, um, such as youth capital that we've worked with in the past, um, you know, uh, efforts were made to keep it in place and extend it for another year. Um, so yes, uh, definitely, you know, learning doesn't just end once the bell ends. Um, it does take a great deal of effort from communities and families um, and even sometimes, you know, educators going the extra mile to ensure that um, learners uh, succeed within their schooling environment. Colin Waddle, thank you so much for joining us on behalf of the Zero Dropout campaign. And uh, thank you for these uh, important insights and, and uh, you know, related information regarding uh, how we could, you know, make a, and create a better environment for our learners to keep them in school. Thank you for your time, Colin. Thank you for having me. Um, and yes, as you mentioned earlier, we have a new report 
um, that will be released tomorrow. So we encourage anyone who does have an interest in kind of the state of literacy as well as, you know, learner retention and some of the other issues that we did cover during our conversation to visit our website, zerodropout.co.za, to read more. Um, and also to follow us on, you know, all of the popular social media platforms for the same name, um, and they'll be able to find us and a lot more information there. Um, over the Good stuff, Colin. And thank you again. So that was Colin Wardle uh, with the Zero Dropout campaign. And